Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live from our studios right here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have you this morning joining us for another day that the Lord has made. And I hope that you've come to rejoice and to be glad in it. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, go to our website. It's located at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and you can get more information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International. Really, when it comes right down to it, folks, we're just about lifting up Jesus, equipping the body of Christ with the, the gospel so that we'll be more effective in all that we do for his kingdom. Uh, when you go in there, you can check out, we have different locations with our teams all across the, the United States, Canada, and in Mexico. And you can actually go on there and click Raven Nation and get some of those links and uh, check out some of the things that God is doing around the country. I just noticed that we have uh, uh, Pastor uh, Nick Path and maybe Shane that came on right here this morning with us live for you guys that are with us in the uh, on the live broadcast. Those guys are down there in Guadalajara, Mexico, doing a tremendous job uh, down there. And you can actually uh, go and check out what they're doing on the uh, Internet as well. So thank you guys for joining us here today for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And uh, good to have each and every one of you here today. If you have questions on uh, any of the things that we're talking about, we're doing an expository teaching presently on the book of the Revelation. Send those prayer requests in to raven at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-N at biggrace.com, B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. Be glad to answer your questions, bring any type of clarification or whatnot. We're here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we're presently, I think, uh, going to be starting our 36th class in this study on the Revelation. Good news. If you've missed previous classes, those things will be made available on the website. Once again, biggrace.com. Click on Raven Institute, and those are available for free download in MP3 format on your computer, iPod, MP3 player, whatever it may be. Uh, no charge, no registration, no anything. Just go on there and take advantage of those free classes as well. So. Those things are available to you, and uh invite you, please come and be a part of this daily class uh, live and, and, uh, and invite your friends, people that have a little time in the morning, like to come and open the day up with an hour of uh, expository teaching the Word of God. We'd love to have them here. Also, we're in a season right now of a uh, uh, period of fasting and prayer, and uh, if you have prayer requests, please send those to us. We just believe that prayer really... Uh, does something, and you combine that with fasting, it just gives a, a supernatural uh, aspect to it. And really what makes it supernatural is, uh, and I mentioned this um, a class or two ago, that when you begin to fast, what it does, it puts a, such a dependence and an awareness even on the spiritual realm. A lot of times we get comfort in the things of the flesh, and we don't even realize how much we depend upon those things until we kind of back off and we don't have those things to fill our time. We don't have those things to kind of distract us. And we have to look to the bread of life, who is Christ Jesus. And so I really encourage uh, folks to... Uh, to really develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting and a couple fasting with your prayer life. And I think you're going to see things a lot better. Uh, and you're going to really what you're going to do is you're going to see the battle that you were in, but you weren't fighting back. And so it really exposes the, the battlefield to you. So join us in prayer and fasting. We'd love for you to be a part of that. And if questions, Raven at BigGrace.com. Prayer requests, pray at BigGrace.com. We'll lift those prayer request up to the Lord Jesus. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today and ask for him to bless this uh, time of study in the word of God. That he'll just give us understanding and revelation that we can be more effective to do all those things that he has called us to do in our life. Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the word says that you do nothing, Lord God, except that you first reveal those things, Lord God, to your servants, the prophets. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we today have a more sure word of prophecy, Lord God, in this canon of scriptures, Lord God, that you've entrusted with us, Lord God, this, this written word, Lord God that you've made available to us, Lord God, and you've brought an understanding uh, to it, Lord God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, that's come to lead and guide us into all truth. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we're not like those who sit in darkness that are going to be overtaken as a thief. But, Lord God, we are we walk in the light, and that makes us children of the light, Lord God. And so I thank you that you're revealing things to us, Lord God, that we're, we'll not be overcome by those things, and we'll not be, uh, Lord God, caught unawares. But you've opened our eyes, Lord God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, and then 
indwelling, Lord God, of your son Jesus upon our hearts. And so, Father, today we come with the only access that we have, and that's through the finished work of the cross, through the blood of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that even though in our flesh dwelt no good thing, Father, you came in in mercy. You came in in grace, Lord God. You came in in goodness. And when we repented of our sins, Lord God, you came in and brought a transformation, Lord God, in our hearts and lives. And we're not the same as we used to be. Father, regardless of how perverted of a lifestyle that we we lived, how big of compromisers that we were, Lord God, all the bondage, Lord God, all those things, all the failures that we once were. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that those things are not indicative of who we are now. That, Lord God, if any man's in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have made been made new. And I thank you, Lord God, that we, we serve a God who did all things, Lord God, that we might be all things. And so, Father, I thank you today that we're, we can be all things as we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, today, let every mind, every thought in our mind, Lord God, every attitude, Lord God, everything be uh, stayed, Lord God, fully, Lord God, upon you. Father, we just take into captivity anything, any thought, Lord God, whatever it might be that would exalt itself against your knowledge. Lord God, and we cast those things down, Lord God, and we just think on those things that are holy, those things that are righteous, those things that are pure, Lord God. And we ask that you would just change our hearts and minds today, Lord God. Lord God, as we look to Jesus for an understanding and an unveiling, Lord God, of his character and his person in our lives. Father, I pray for those that have been sick, Lord God, those who have been struggling, Lord God, in particular areas of their life. And we're asking, Lord God, for just a, a breakthrough. Lord God, this is breakthrough time. We, we need it, Lord God. We know we're pressing in to, 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 to a new year, Lord God, to a fresh set of downs, Lord God, so to speak. We, we know that we've got a tremendous opportunity, Lord God, Father, to make a difference, Lord God, in this world. And Father, we just ask, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that at the end of the day, Lord God, we would say that, uh, that, that, that I'm ready to be offered, Lord God. The time of our departure is at hand because I've fought a good fight and I've finished my course. And, Lord God, we want to be those, Lord God, that don't just start strong, Lord God, only to pull up lame, Lord God, in our walk. But we want to be like those, Lord God, that run the race with assurance, Lord God. Not as one beating his arms against the air. But, Lord God, we want to be like one, Lord God, that's running, Lord God, with the expectancy of the prize. We know that all run the race, but only one obtains the prize. And so, Lord God, let us run with diligence, Lord God, knowing that the race is not to the swift nor to the strong, but the one that endures to the end. And so, Father, we come, Lord God, with a heart towards endurance, with a heart towards expectancy, Lord God. Fill this place. Touch every heart and life, the sick, the afflicted, Lord God, the struggling, Lord God, and show yourself strong in power and mind on our behalf. Father, I just ask for your help today, Lord God to teach and to bring forth the word. I just ask that it would come forth with clarity, Lord God, with purity, with holiness, Lord God, and would come uh, forth, Lord God, with an understanding, Lord God, that we might benefit, Father, from what you're bringing to us, Lord God, at this table of your word today. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Once again, good to have you. If you're just slipping in with us, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And we're doing an expository teaching Monday through Friday uh, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, in the book of the Revelation. Currently, we're in, in, in kind of embroiled in this discussion on the, the eighth chapter. And so if you're just joining us, turn to Revelation chapter eight. And we're going to continue into that. What we've been looking at, folks, is really at kind of the events that are the result of that removing of the, the seventh seal from the scroll in the hand of the, of the Lamb of God, who is obviously Jesus Christ. And that opening of the seventh seal really serves kind of to unfurl all the judgments that are going to be contained in these trumpet judgments that we're looking at and the coming uh, seven bowl or vile judgments that are going to follow. But do not forget this. We've got to keep this in mind all times. In, in really Romans 2 and 5, and I shared this with you yesterday as we, uh, in the class, kind of gives the reason for all of these things that are happening. You know, everybody wants to know not just what's happening, but you want to know a reason for, for why these events have to transpire as they are and why the severity of it. Well, Romans 2 and 5 gives us that reason. It says this, it says, But after your hardness and impentant heart, you treasure up for yourselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And so... All of these seals, trumpets, bold judgments are the result, folks, of man's fall and his subsequent rebellion against the righteousness of God. And so they are basically, as you say this and as we look at this, here's what you've got to understand and keep this in mind. All of these things that we're seeing, these, these tumultuous times, this calamitous acts against the, the world and against mankind, all of these things are the testimony of people who have rejected the righteousness of God and have braced their own depravity. That's what it is. It's, it's the testimony. And so even in this lifetime, folks, as you see all these horrendous things that happen, we think about the... Uh, 
issues that that that, that come to uh, pass as uh, disasters and, and and things. You know, I lived in the city of New Orleans, obviously during Hurricane Katrina, and you know, over three thousand people lost their lives. You think about the what we mentioned yesterday: a quarter of a million people died as a result of the the tsunami there in in Indonesia, and all these things that are happening. You see the proliferation of uh, dreaded diseases like uh, AIDS and in, in in the African continent, the Ebola virus, all these things that just cause people to to shudder and quake and and even on a, on, a, on, a, on a different level, you know, all these other diseases and things that are affecting mankind, atrocities. Folks, those are the testimony of man's rebellion. Those are not, that's not, those at this point are not the judgment of God that we're seeing. Those things are, are the result of our rebelling against God and not walking in righteousness. And so, if you want to know what the present conditions of man's heart is, all you've got to look at the coming judgments that's going to unfold in, in totality. And what those things are going to do is they're going to tell the story. Right now, what we've seen is a, 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 a holding back. And so as bad as the things that we see are now, those things are, are really not genuinely consequential of the depravity of man's life. But what's going to happen with the seven uh, uh, seals being opened, resulting in the seven trumpets, resulting in the seven bowls, is going to be the unveiling of that testimony of mankind's rebellion against God. Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 7 and 8 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. That is what he's going to reap. For he that sows to his flesh uh, will reap of the flesh uh, corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. So, folks, the key today and today in each and every one of our lives is not to store up wrath for ourselves, but to store up righteousness by sowing into the Spirit, which is going to be uh, bring with it a reward of everlasting life. And so every single day you've got the opportunity to store up righteousness and flee the rebellion that's going to testify uh, against those that fail to repent on that day of judgment. And so keep this in mind also, folks. And you may not have ever really looked at it like this before. But all of these events, all of these judgments that we're talking about, are the product of grace. Isn't that strange to even say something like that? Some of you guys know exactly where I'm, what I'm talking about, though. All of these judgments are the product of grace. And so some might ask the question, you know, man, how can this be the, the product of grace? Because, you know, grace is God's unmerited favor. And this certainly does not look like any type of favorable situation that the, the, the world will be in at that time. Again, folks, uh, with the misplaced teachings of, of modern grace, you know, it's a common mistake, I think, uh, for people to think of grace only in terms of withholding judgment or, or just getting, uh, not really getting the things that we deserve and having a license to sin without the fear of, of forfeiting uh, your salvation. All these things that people call modern grace. But folks, I, I'm afraid that there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote, once-saved, always-saved people, uh, you know, fleeing for their lives and wondering why their favorite radio preacher is that told them all they had to do is say a sinner's prayer and join the church and that God would, would later wink at their illicit sexual behavior and he would uh, we'd wink at their, their corruption and wink at their rebellion. And now they're going to find themselves right in the middle of, uh, of the suffering under the hand of judgment. They're going to say, well, well, what happened? What about grace? That guy told me that, that uh, grace, I'm saved, and it doesn't matter what I do after that because uh, once I, I say that prayer, boy, I back God into a corner and, and you know forget about what the what the word of God says in, in Galatians six, seven and eight. I really don't have to uh to to to, to uh to reap what I've sown, I can I can mock God because I, I got God by 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 saying the magical abracadabra prayer at an altar rail one day, folks. Listen, that's just not what the Scripture teaches, and it, it, it's it, it behooves me to think that 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 type of thing is proliferated, and there's going to be people that are going to be standing in this, wringing their hands, saying somebody lied to me. They're going to be kicking open the doors of the shuttered Bible uh, uh, bookstores and saying, "Well, look at this mess that they were selling on these racks," and 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 and. and People believe these things. These people were popular. These people were on radio and television, on the Internet or whatever else. And they told me that I was okay because I said a prayer. Folks, listen. Sin has consequences. That's what grace is. And so the definition in, of grace in the Old Testament certainly was the unmerited favor. And, 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 and certainly anything that we get from God uh, is unmerited on our part. But the grace of the new covenant is that charis, it's that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And so, folks, the influence of God 
is an influence that calls men to holiness. Do I need to say that again? The influence of God is an influence that calls men to holiness, not an influence that disregards sin and rewards rebellion. Okay? Grace does not reward rebellion. Grace influences men, speaks to men, seeks to draw them to, to, to holiness and to righteousness. But much of what is taught in the church today basically comes across as men somehow doing God this big favor by joining a local church and assuming some sort of pseudo-Christianity, uh, folks. That's not Christianity. Christianity is holiness. Christianity is righteousness. Christianity is faithfulness. Christianity is denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. That's what Christianity is. Christianity Christianity isn't joining the Presbyterian Church, the, the Pentecostal Church, the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, and, 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 and having the right bumper sticker and carrying around the biggest King James Version Bible. Uh, 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 salvation and coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is, is coming to the end of yourself and allowing yourself to be changed and transformed by the blood of Jesus and, and faith towards God. That's what it's going to re uh, reproduce in our lives. So if we think for just a minute that, that we're going to have some greasy grace and we're going to have some diluted down pastel pink gospel and we're going to be able to, to stand in that day, folks, listen, we got another thing coming. God is calling the people to be holy even as He is holy, not happy even as somebody wants to be happy. It's holiness that He's calling us to do. So God's grace or His influence says... Repent and turn from your wicked ways. That's what grace says. I'm telling you, you're in sin. Judgment's coming. Flee from the wrath to come. Turn from your wicked ways. And if you do, the reflection of your life, the reflection of grace, is going to come back and say, not guilty. But if you don't repent, the reflection of your life is going to say, judgment. Welcome to the seven seals, is what it's going to say to you. So, the events here, folks, in chapter 8 that we see described is the reflection of the heart of man after having innumerable opportunities to repent and turn from his wickedness. And so what we're seeing here uh, uh, unveiled in chapter 8 is the wickedness, the reflection of man's heart after he hardens his heart and he refuses to repent and believe what, what, what the Word of God says and believe the testimony of Jesus. So I want to read verses up. Uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9 to you. And we're gonna, then we'll go right, uh, right into chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 10 of chapter 8. And it says, When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. We told you that there was just a stunned silence. There was this moment that was uh, uh, making it aware that something uh, very uh, uh, devastating was about to, to happen. And it says, I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with all the prayers of the saints and the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thundering lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there was hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. And a second angel sounded, where a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were destroyed in the sea that had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. So we're talking about this angel, which I believe it's probably speaking of, of Jesus as that, that mediator and as our intercessor. Uh, if, if it's not him, it's, a, it's, it's not a, an a angel offering intercession. It's an angel offering an uh, administration of of the, uh, the, the prayers of the saints which are coming up. And these, these, these prayers of these saints are the ones that come out of the tribulation, that are crying out for judgment. And so the prayers of the saints, uh, at this point, basically they're testifying of the wickedness of this world. And so with it, boom, what we're going to see is these trumpets uh, unfurled. I'm, I'm, you know, I mentioned yesterday, and somebody asked me right after class, you know, when our discussion of that second uh, trumpet, that 75% of life was destroyed. This 75% is obviously not realized at that point. The 75% is the total accumulation of what's going to occur through the course of these judgments. Uh, it's probably maybe somebody heard and said to come across as many that maybe my math skills weren't as good as, as some of my other skills, but a third is not 75%, but it's rather 33 and a third percent. What that 75% that I mentioned yesterday was a totality of all of these judgments, meaning that just a quarter or 25% of, uh, will actually come out of this time of devastating judgment, which is really parallel to the parable of the sower, if you think about it, you know, out of Matthew 13, 3 through 9. 
And it says that Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places that had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, but they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell upon good ground and brought forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirtyfold. And who has an ear to hear, let them hear. And so we see even in the parable of the sower, it gives that same number that just twenty five percent of those that had uh, seed uh, fall upon them actually came out and bore forth fruit. And so uh, I love that ninth verse in Matthew thirteen though. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Doesn't that sound familiar? And that exactly the same message that uh, was given to the seven churches of the Revelation. You know, those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the the Spirit would speak unto the seven churches. So. In these first nine verses here, basically what we have is uh, is the the judgment happening on the geophysical level. What we see is the uh, uh, events happening with the volcanoes, uh, earthquakes, uh, all these things that are uh, interstellar influences like uh, meteors and, and and all these other things happening. That a third of basically life forms are going to be destroyed at that period of time. Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to jump right into verses, look at 10 and 11 as we kind of continue in these trumpets. So we had the second trumpet, which uh, began to talk about this. this uh, the second trumpet sounded a great mountain, cast in the sea, third part of the sea became blood, third part of the creatures uh, were destroyed in the sea and had life, died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And so we saw that cataclysmic uh, thing happen right there. Then verse 10 says, And the third angel sounded, there was a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many died of the waters because they were made bitter. And so here we have this uh, word, this, this, this great star. What's interesting here is the, the, the words that are used by John here in the Greek, and it's Megas Aster. Megas Aster, this great star. And you may uh, be able to decipher what English word we get out of that would be, we got mega asteroid. And so what he saw is this great star or this mega asteroid in the Greek. And, and, and what it did is not unlike a burning mountain, basically, which fell into the sea. And so this, this meteorite falls basically in, in just as the, uh, the, the previous uh, trumpet destroyed a third of the, the salt water, the seawater, Basically, what you're seeing here is it falls in all the drinking water or the fresh water as well. And so as bad as it was for the oceans to be polluted or to be affected by the, uh, by the second trumpet, just think about just a third of the water uh, that's going to be affected, drinking water, fresh water sources, by this uh, great star or this mega aster, M-E-G-A-S-A-S-T-E-R, being affected by this, uh, this third trumpet. And so that, that meteor, I thought, here, even here, this could be a, a part of that first uh, uh, really cataclysmic event, that interstellar uh, influence that, that's happening upon the world, within really probably a toxicity of, of nature that's going to be happening as, as it comes up and begins to, uh, to, to really kind of cover the earth uh, with this, these pollutants. And, and you just think about places like, uh, like the African continent. You think about places that already have a deficit of drinking water, and as a result... The, 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 really the, the results that's going to ensue with great thirst and, and, and the deprivation of, of human life as a result of these things happening. And so think about this. Some of you folks that live up in the, the, the northern uh, sections of this, uh, of this nation, think about the Great Lakes just being a, a rancid, stinking cesspool, basically. Think about the Amazon River that's just going to flow with, with death. And, and all that's going to carry, you know, you think rivers, they're going to carry that toxicity into other parts of communities as the waters come off mountains uh, as a result of this wormwood. So uh, I talked about, and I touched on yesterday, scientists are right now keeping tabs on all these uh, NEOs, these near-Earth objects, because uh, they, they've been talking about there's a real threat that's out there of something basically crashing into the Earth. Back in, I think it's 2004, uh, there was an uh, event called the Planetary Defense Co uh, Conference. And this conference actually met in Garden Grove, California in February of that year. And basically the issue was how to defend the planet from some type of uh, a cataclysmic event from an asteroid. And so they brought in all these, these the great minds of the world and they said, listen, it's going to happen. 
And so, did they come up with that, that idea? No, it's right here prophesied 2,000 years ago uh, in the book of the Revelation that this event's happening. So what you see is even in the secular godless world that denies God, what they cannot deny is God's plan, and that's going to unfold. And so uh, what's going to happen is when that happens, many are going to die as a result of that. So the fourth trump- trumpet sounds, and it says, The fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so that the third part of uh, them was darkened, and the day sh- uh, did not show for a third part of it, and the, like, uh, the night likewise. Uh, basically what happens, a third of the sun, the, the result of those first three trumpets basically is going to cause what's happening with the fourth. And so with all this, this increase and in all this volcanic activity, all these uh, destruction that's happening worldwide, can you imagine what the effects are going to be to the atmosphere? You know, right now they're talking about global warming, which is just an uh, illusion. The, the, uh, you know, 10 years, I believe in 1979, they talked about the, the, the planet was in a, uh, a downturn as far as a cooling trend. You know, 30 years later, it's in a warming trend. All these things. And so they're talking about if we can just uh, eliminate the, uh, the, the carbon gases, if we can eliminate all these things. Folks, listen, one day it's not going to matter. One day judgment's going to be so poured out upon this world that uh, everything, including the ozone layer and everything, uh, as a result, is going to be destroyed. Think about this just for a second. With the... Uh, uh, with that, it says a fourth angel sounded, a third part of the sun was smitten, a third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars, so that the third part of them was darkened, and the day did not show a third uh, for a third of it. This is really neat. I, th- I think this is interesting. Verse 12 sounds, and, and it immediately affects what? Sun, moon, and stars. Which trumpet was that? That was the fourth trumpet. Do you remember what was created on the fourth day? Sun, moon, stars. Isn't that interesting? Let me read Genesis 1, 14-19 to you. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day and the night, and let them be signs for a season, and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, and the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven, gave light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. I thought it was interesting as I was reading that, that the fourth trumpet basically is going to affect what was created on the fourth day. And so, it, it, when I hear those things, I, th- I think about Revelation 1. I think about uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians about the voice of the trump of God, that trumpet. So we see the trumpet of God calling us up, but that trumpet, that voice of God, not only created the heavens and the earth, not only created these luminaries, but it's also going to be the exact same thing that brings judgment upon what he created for us. So it's, it, I think that's pretty interesting to see how all those things just tie together. And so uh, these events, basically, uh, they're going to have a great impact upon the, uh, the, the environment. And it says, and, and beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven say with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of other voices of the trumpet and the three angels which are yet to sound. Folks, anytime you hear a woe, especially uh, repeated uh, three times, Basically, what it's saying is, if you thought what you saw before was bad, just wait a minute. It's about to get worse. And so all of these things that we saw before are things that are the, of the geophysical nature. These are things that are they're occurring uh, from uh, earthquakes and from uh, uh, volcanic activity and all these things that are happening against nature. But what we're about to see is with these remaining blasts of the trumpets, they're going to they're gonna take it even beyond an environmental catastrophes into uh, uh, judgments against mankind. And so I want to read uh, beginning right there. There in verse fourteen, I guess it is. Let me see. Uh, let me let me go let me go back to verse uh, yeah verse fourteen. It says God said, uh, "Let there be lights in the firmament." Uh, excuse me, I'm way ahead of myself here. Verse eleven. Excuse me. And the name of the stars called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many died of the waters because they were bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and and smith, uh, uh, and the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it. And behold, I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven say with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of other voices and the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Closes out. I know what it was. We're done with verse chapter 8. I'm still trying to stay in chapter 8 and give you a little bit more of that. And so chapter 8 closes that out. Now we're going to jump down into the next chapter, chapter 9. 
And it says this, it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And stop right there for a second. Who is this star? Who do we see? One thing you've got to understand, when it says, I saw a star fall from heaven, that, that word would probably be better described because of the perfect tense of it in the Greek. It's a star that had fallen from heaven. King James doesn't do it much service there. But he says, when I heard the fifth angel sounded, I saw, as it were, a star that had fallen from heaven. Now, when, when possible, we want to use a literal definition or a literal translation of what it says. But, but otherwise, we need to look at what he told us in chapter 1, verse 1, that he's going to give us signs or signals or he's going to give us things that are references, metaphors. This star here is not the regular star. It's not something that can be considered a, a meteor or something of that geophysical nature. This star is talking about Lucifer. And we can get that from Isaiah chapter 14. Verse 22, excuse me, 12 through 22. Isaiah 14, 12 through 22. And here's what it says. He said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will send unto heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will, that's the angels speaking of here, stars. I will also set up on the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, This is the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners. All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one of them in his own house. But you have cast out, uh, are cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust out into the sword and go down into the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet. You shall not be joined with them in burial because you have destroyed the land and slain the people. The seeds of evildoers shall uh, never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children for the iniquity of their fathers that they did rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts, and cut them, uh, cut off from them Babylon, the name, the remnant, the son, and nephew, saith the Lord. And so we see that this star that's talking about is basically the angel saying, listen, who I saw was this star, Lucifer, who had fallen. And now what we're seeing is things are going to get even worse. And so as God held back, literally, we saw those, those angels those, in chapter 7, verse 1, they were standing there holding back certain things. Folks, now what we're going to get is a total unfolding of events that are going to bring a tremendous judgment upon the world. And so what, what happens is, he said, I saw that angel fall from heaven uh, under the earth, and him was given the keys to the bottomless pit. Then verse 2, it says, he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke and the pit. I want to stop right there just for a second. There were certain angels, we see this through Scripture, that because of their, their rebellion, because of leaving their first estate, they're locked in a, in, a, in a period of time. Now, this is when, when Lucifer fell, one-third, think about this for a second, folks, one-third of the heavenly host followed him in that rebellion. And so, uh, uh, you know, untold, there's no telling. The, the Scripture doesn't give an amount of the, uh, the number of, of angels that were created. But when angels were created, they were created as free will beings, just like man was given a free will. And so when Lucifer rebelled and he deceived the, the even part of the heavenly host, they fell with him because they did have a free will. And so um, some of them that left their first estate and did uh, much wickedness have been bound for eons, possibly. Some have been bound for thousands of years. Now what's going to happen is man is going to get what he deserves. And so for a period of time, those that have been bound in this bottomless pit, he's going to be given a key. Key speaks of authority. He's going to be given the, the, the authority once again to lead in rebellion those that he had previously led in rebellion according to Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 22. And it says that there's going to be a rising of smoke out of that pit as a great furnace. Now, uh, it, it's not a literal smoke. I believe it's, a, it's figurative and spiritual. Basically what it is, a spiritual darkness is going to envelop that place. Now, if you've ever been involved with some genuine spiritual warfare or been to a place, you know, I remember uh, back in the past going into the city of New Orleans for the very first time and uh, during, during a Mardi Gras. And uh, uh, back years ago, I remember back in 96, we went in, and I'd never been there in that city. And it had never been in a city that had such darkness over it. I mean, it was such a darkness that there was even a, 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 a scent 
to the to the demonic. I mean, you could it was just something that affected you in all of your senses, and there was a great darkness. Now that's just a city where with debauchery and immorality and all these things. But can you imagine when when uh, total outright rebellion and demonic activity is loosed upon a world? You you talk about just a horrendous type of environment that's going to be full of dread, that's going to be full of uh, of, uh, of, of wickedness, that's going to be uh, full of, uh, of judgment. All of those things are going to be encompassed right there in that moment. Then it says, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, this is verse 3 of Revelation 9, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded unto them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. Who were they? That's those that were the 144,000. And so, uh, and it was given to them that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented, that this world should be tormented. Not those with a seal, but the world should be tormented for a period of five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man. In those days, men shall seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Now, I want to stop right there. I think what we're seeing here is kind of a, a duality, if I can use that term, of interpretation. There's a spiritual thing that's going to be happening. And I believe that spiritual thing is what we're talking about, this loosing of these demonic forces. Because uh, uh, we're, we're going to have these fallen angels that are basically, that have been uh, held in check for years, that are now going to be unfurled upon mankind. And so you have that influence. But what, what these demons do is influence the heart of men. They do not do anything uh, independent of influencing men to do wickedness. And so I believe the first part of that, verses one through five is is basically the spiritual aspect of it. Then I believe what happens is in verse is six, seven, and eight, nine, and ten is what we're going to see is how that unfolds in the natural. And I want you to look at something with me this morning. It says it was given unto them power that they should not kill them. In other words, they're going to torment them. There's going to be a, a tremendous amount of wrath, a tremendous amount of uh, of, of, of effect. But it's not going to be this widespread death. It's going to be worse than death. Why? Because they're going to seek death. They're not going to find it. They're going to die, to die but it'll, it'll flee from them. In other words, there's going to be things that are happening and the men are going to be crying out. But it's not going to be something that's going to kill them. It's going to be something that brings a torment. But listen to what it says. And the shapes of the locusts were like horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were like crowns like gold, and their faces as it were faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men for five months. I'm going to stop right there. What does that look like to you? Can you imagine this? Yeah. Let me let me show you something. You guys that are, that are live here today uh, that might be able to see this. And I'll zoom in on this, this picture. Check this just for a second. I'm going, to, I'm going to zoom in on you guys that are live. You guys are listening to this later. Can you see this, this photograph here? What this is, is this, this is just an American Apache attack helicopter right here. Now, now look at this just for a second. It says... That the shapes were like locusts, locusts being a, a grasshopper. Okay, look at the shape of a, of a helicopter. Elongated, got the large front, the tail. Now you got to keep in mind something. When John saw this, now John was living two thousand years ago. He he wasn't aware of technology, so what he had to do is take something and describe what he was seeing. And I believe this is probably what he was seeing is something like this, shaped like horse, uh, like a locust uh, or horses prepared for battle. Now, look what it says. It says, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns. Now, I'm going to zoom in a little bit further and look at the top of this helicopter. You see that, that globe up on top? Which on this is, this is, this is just the radar system on an Apache helicopter. But now, if I don't know what that is, and I'm looking 2,000 years ago, I'm going to say to myself, boy, that sure looks like a crown. That looks like something that would be descriptive of that. Let's go on down. Heads were crowned like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Now, what's right there in the very front of the Apache helicopter? What is that? That's the cockpit. What do you see right there in that picture? You see the face of a man. Okay? And they had hair like the hair of women. Now, I'm going to back off. Well, I'm not going to back off because we lost our connection. Okay, once again, look at this. It says they had hair like women. I believe probably what he was seeing is when you begin to see those rotors turn, look at the length of those rotors. 
Long hair, hair like women. In other words, long, right? And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. I don't know if this one's got the picture of it here. Let me raise that up. Look right there at the front where those, those gun turrets are mounted on the front, those machine guns. Teeth like lions. Probably saw them spraying. And they had breastplates. Obviously, it's armor-plated. See that? Breastplates of iron. And the sounds of their wings were as the sound of chariots of many horses. Now, think about what, a, what, a, uh, what that sounds like, the horses. Let me see if I can do a little sound effects here. Back off just a bit so I'm not so zoomed in on you guys that are live. Think of it. Think about the, what hoofbeats sound like. You know, if, if John's looking at something or listening to something like that, chances are, you know, that's what he's thinking. Now, let's go uh, in verse 10. It says, they had tails like unto scorpions. Once again, look at the uh, look at the tail of that. Tail like a scorpion. How's the scorpion's tail? It rises up and it has a stinger. This rises up and it has a, a blade, a propeller blade, right? And their stings were in their tails. Okay, now look at this, the sides here. You see what's... And what's interesting, you know what those missiles are called on many of these? Stingers. So they call them missiles on, on planes and, and even on the, the helicopter, stinger missiles. And so my guess is, is what you're going to have is an army that is going to be led and influenced by demonic control. Just a very ruthless type of military. But what I believe, if you'll think about today, the, the type of warfare... There's, there's weapons now that, that are uh, of the biological sense. And I believe that's probably what we're going to see here. We're going we're to see them outfitted and basically just going to uh, begin to throw biological germ warfare and all types of things of that nature that are going to bring destruction upon people. Not to kill them, but just to basically be torturous. And so all these things, the anthrax or whatever it is that's going to be developed by the Antichrist, basically just to make people suffer. And I, I believe he'll give them uh, uh, a demonic wisdom that's going to bring destruction and things of that nature. And so, and it says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. That word, basically, Abaddon, or in the Greek tongue, Apollyon, means what? means the destroyer. means the destroyer. And so what you're going to see is this, this military might that's going to be totally demonic influence. And I believe we're going to see uh, part of that uh, manifest itself in what we'd call modern warfare. Then it says, and uh, verse 12, it says, One woe is past, and behold, there comes two more woes after that. And it says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now this is important here, folks. Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month, and for a year, for to slay a third part of men. And so, look where that voice is coming from. From the four horns of the golden altar. Folks, you know what that is? That's the mercy seat. And so when people say that God is a God of love and God is a God of mercy, you know what the mercy seat even demands? It demands judgment. And so, whereas up to this point, mercy was being handed out. The, the opportunity to repent was handed out. But folks, there's going to be a time coming where people may seek mercy, but they'll not find it. People are going to seek the, 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 the righteous result of the grace of God. They're not going to find it. And so here, what's happening is that six angels sounded... And the voice is going to cry out. The, the, the golden altar is a, was a type of Christ in the tabernacle. And if you think about the, the makeup of the golden altar, what was it? It was, a, it was, it was a made out of wood. It was made out of, of shittim wood, overlaid with gold, which was, spoke the wood spoke of the, the humanity of Christ. The gold spoke of the deity of Christ. And so what you have is, is the testimony of Jesus crying out for judgment, basically releasing that, that sixth angel who had the trumpet to loose the four angels that are bound in the great river Euphrates. And it says, And the four angels were loosed, and they're prepared an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. 200,000 thousand is 200 million. And so even if you think about uh, modern warfare... Modern warfare always begins with an aerial assault. Just as we saw with this, this picture that John saw of obviously that some type of air assault led by uh, attack helicopters or something that may be equivalent to that. But then what happens? Then I saw horsemen. I saw a ground assault that's going to number in 200 million. 
What's interesting is when we look at this, this description of where this, uh, uh, they were bound is right there at the great river Euphrates, which is one of the boundaries of the promised land that God had given to uh, Israel through the promise and the covenant that he had made with, with Abraham. And so all of these wars, all these things are coming to bear right there in the, 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 the land of, quote-unquote, what we call Bible times. All those things are coming right back to bear upon that place. And it says in the number was 200 million. About, I believe, uh, 15, 18 years ago, uh, the Chinese military boasted that they would be able to raise an army numbering 200 million. Well, and you think, man, that's a lot of people, especially in the United States. Our, our population is just like 330 million itself. But when you think about a nation that's over a billion people, to raise an army of 200 million is not inconceivable. And so many people, and I tend to probably lean on that, and we'll talk about that just a little bit more when we get to the 11th chapter. I believe this is probably an Asian army that's going to come rise from the east that's going to be involved in that. And it says this, and I saw the horses in the vision. Now look at this, verse 17. And uh, those that sat upon them had breastplates of fire and jacents and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these... Uh, these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt. Okay, now I want to give you another picture. Let me zoom this one in. What does that look like? Can you see it? Looks like an army tank, doesn't it? Now let's, let's read that description again with this picture in mind. And I saw the horses in that vision. Again, he has to describe things, a ground attack based upon things that he would know about or he'd be able to utilize as a type. And I saw the horses in the vision. They had breastplates, armor plated, right? And it says, and they had it, fire. This is actually an action shot of an army tank showing fire coming out of the, the barrel, right? Heads were like, uh, heads were like the heads of, of lions, like a mane, look how the, the top of that turret is wide. And out of their mouth issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. Okay, that's what they shoot out. For their power is in their mouth and their tails. Now, folks, if I'm seeing a tank and I see this long appendage coming out of it, which is obviously the barrel of the, of the gun, it's, it's going to look like a, a tank. It's going to look like a, a tail to me if I'm not familiar with uh, this type of um, uh, mechanism. So... I believe what he saw was basically an, a ground assault, uh, an army uh, assault led by these 200 uh, army, uh, 200 member army. So check that out. Saw the helicopters. Now he sees the tanks. For you guys that are watching this live, look at that picture. If you're not watching it live, get you a picture of a tank, get you a picture of an Apache helicopter, and maybe you'll you'll kind of get that visual on this. And it says, as a result of that, it says, The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, and they should not, uh, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their uh, sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And so, here's the sad thing, folks. And, re and really, that whole, you, you think about that, those trumpets that are sounding there, Basically, they're unfolding this great warfare. And so what we're going to see is that battle that's waging. That battle is going to include, I believe, Asians. It's going to include the, the Muslim countries. It's going to include uh, uh, basically a revamped uh, uh, Russian military that suffered as a result of that first attack that we talked about in between the, the rapture of the church and the beginning of the, the, the sixth chapter of the, the book of Revelation. And so you're going to have all these calamitous events that are happening but still yet, look what it says that people are still holding on to. It says that they would not cease to worship devils. Gold, silver, brass, stone, wood. All these things are thinking, you know what? If we can just come out of this recession, if we can just come out of this, this economic downturn, if we can just get more money, we can buy our way out of it. Folks, isn't that sad that so many people that, that continue to think along those lines? What's even sadder, folks, is the church of today thinks the exact same way. And when I talk about church, I'm not talking about your particular local building. I'm talking about people. People think, well, listen, if I just had more money, then my problems would be solved. If I just didn't have this bill, or if I just had this, or I just had that. Folks, the only answer for this world is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only answer now, and it's going to be the only answer 
then. And so we're out of time today, folks, but we're, I'm going I'm to look at a couple more, a few more details. I want to kind of cover the, the warfare aspect of that uh, kind of as a generalization in those 21 chapters today. But I want to get into a few of the little details to bring out for your notes tomorrow before we dive into to chapter 10. But I want to ask you a question today. Maybe you're here today with us and uh, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you think to yourself, man, I don't want to be a part of what's going to unfold there. You don't have to be. The good news is for those that come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the word says that we're not appointed unto that, that wrath. And you can avoid it. You can avoid it by receiving the genuine benefits of the grace of God. And the word of God tells us in the book of Ephesians, Paul the Apostle, which was a, a servant of, of Jesus Christ, he wrote a letter to this church. He said, listen, you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of your own works. It's not by trying to be a good person. Because, folks, at the end of the day, we know that none of us can do good. The things that we want to do, we end up not doing and vice versa. But he said you're saved by grace. In other words, I want to influence you. I'm speaking to you. Maybe he's speaking to you through this word today. Maybe he's, he's been uh, talking to your heart. Maybe you just know that, man, something's got to change through faith. And what faith is, I believe what God said in his word. It is something inside of me saying, you know what, I'm hearing this, and it's, and it's bearing witness, and I, I just know that I need to come to Jesus. And what does his word say? The word says that, that Jesus is our only way. He's the only way to salvation. He's the only one that could pay the penalty of man's sin and give us a way to be reconciled to his Father God. And so what we have to do, though, is what he says. He said, if we're just faithful, if we're just willing to say, God, would you forgive me? I know that my life has not been a life that's, uh, that's, that's pleasing unto you. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired of it. And I want to come to you. I want to give you ownership of my life. And that's really what you've got to do. It's not just a simple prayer saying, God, I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell and I'm going to go leave my li- live my life the same way. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is saying, listen, I've lived my life for myself long enough. But I want God to give direction into my life. Through His Holy Spirit coming into my life. And that's exactly what happens. When I, when I repent of my life. He says that he'll come into my life and he'll change me and make me a new person. And I want to encourage you to do that. I don't have a magic prayer for you, but what I do is I, I have the Word of God. And, and what you can do is you can go on your face before God, just like I'm talking to you right now, and say, God, forgive me. Come into my life. I believe that Jesus, when he died upon the cross, paid the price and the penalty for man's sin. Would you come into my life and save me? And he'll do that. If you've done that or you have more questions on that, uh, contact me. I'm Pastor Troy. My email address is raven at biggrace.com, raven, R-A-V-E-N, at B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. And I'd glad, I'd be glad to correspond with you, answer any questions that you might have along those lines, pray for you, point you to some places in the Bible that you can read. If you have a Bible, uh, go read the, the, the book of the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I believe God will reveal some things to you in that. Read that. Call me, contact me. You can get it through the website, biggrace.com. Uh, glad to, to, to visit with you and, uh, and see what God's doing in your life because I don't believe that you're here by accident or listening to this by accident today. Folks, we're going to be back into it tomorrow talking about some of these unfolding of these events in these, these trumpet judgments and get into chapter 10 today. But i got one bit of advice for you today as we close out. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you.